This is Arthur, that is Isaac, and we are here for our third installment in our special series called 007 and Counting. As we count down to the 25th James Bond film uh, by Eon Studios and the last appearance uh, from Daniel Craig as the lead character, James Bond, 007. Um, and even though it's our third installment of our special countdown to the 25th film, this is the first <coughs> review of five reviews of the Daniel Craig films. We're going to start with 2006's Casino Royale, uh, first Bond film that Daniel Craig appeared in, uh, completely reinvigorated the franchise, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, invigorated my interest in James Bond since the departure of Roger Moore. Like I just skipped out on Timothy Dalton and watched mm. one Pierce Brosnan film and mm. then tapped out. Mm. It's horrible. What kind of Bond fan are you? Hey, let's uh, break down how because obviously we're going to do this um, these reviews in a very mad and real fashion. So let's break down how we're going to do these reviews, shall we? Yeah, so to keep it interesting um, and not cause Isaac and I to go down a rabbit hole. um, (laughs) You don't want that. (laughs) No, 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 we're not. Uh, We're going to hit up five sections, five subtopics. So we're going to start with Mad Facts, which is just going to be a series update. Um, um, A quick look at the state of the franchise before this film's release. Uh, Then we're going to talk a little bit about the pre-titles, the title sequence, um, and the theme song. then we'll get into what we call rated Bond, a uh, quick discussion about how we'll rate Bond himself in this film, um, the character of Bond, not the actor, everything from his clothing, the attitude, uh, his decisions, um, and, you know, how great or not so great is he is Bond in this uh, in this particular film. Um, then the women versus the villain. Uh, we'll get into how we rate the Bond women and the Bond villain in this film, uh, who do we like best, uh, the woman or the villain in the film? And then are just our last closing thoughts, um, things <laughs> that we uh, love. Any last words, Mr. Bond? Film. Has that ever been <laughs> right. said? I don't think anybody's ever said that in the film. Gold, but Goldfinger. Goldfinger said that? No, nah, yeah. he said, did he say any last words? No, he said, you know, well, I mean, we got the whole, you know, do you expect me to talk? No, I expect you to die. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I know if anybody's said... Have said, you know, any last words, Mr. Bond. It sounds like a very Bondian thing to have said. But, yeah, that was that was the inspiration for this last section, last words, um, was, you know, the whole any last words, Mr. Bond. So, I don't know. If that's been said in a movie, we have to find it. Okay. Well, Isaac, um, Wait a minute, what's, the, what's, what's, what's the last? Hold on, though. We got one more. We'll, we'll talk about that at the end. We got a surprise special thing at the end. Yeah, I figured we'll, you want to do the reveal. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that at the end. So, OK, you want to jump into Mad Facts involving Casino Royale. Um, so, listen, this, as you said, you know, a few minutes ago, a few seconds ago, that this movie kind of came at a very, should we say, um, I don't know, um, very fragile time for bond a very what fragile time for james bond the the, the bond franchise maybe as fragile the right word or it was a very uncertain it was off balance if nothing else it was off balance in my view now i I, you know i did see tomorrow never dies Um, so okay that was the only uh brosnan film you saw in the theater 
Yes. So you didn't see Goldeneye in the theater. That's interesting. No, okay. no, I didn't. Did you see Goldeneye before you saw Tomorrow Never Dies? No, no, I didn't. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's we'll have to talk about that. Yeah. We'll have to get into that on another show. But so listen, I think what happened was in 2002, Die Another Day comes out, which is the final Brosnan. At the time, we didn't know it was the final Brosnan film, but it ended up being the final Brosnan film. And this was a movie that was very um, fantastical, I think is the word that mm-hmm. most people use. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Bond, you know, Bond has had those periods of fantastical, you know, things. And then there's been periods of realism. Roger Moore famously, you know, you saw Moonraker and then they wanted to immediately, you know, after that film, hey, let's bring them back to earth a little bit. Let's get into more of the Fleming stuff. So you get for your eyes only. Yeah. Um Timothy Dalton, um, the, you know, living daylights or even more so to the point license to kill very grounded, very gritty, very, you know, non-fantastical film, but the Brosnan era kind of like started with Goldeneye and just slowly, but surely kind of ramped that fantastical element Mm -hmm. of bond up, 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 up. So by the time you get to, even when you're in world is not enough, there's a little bit of that, you know, it was like, wow, that's some shit you would never see in a Craig movie. You would never see that right. in a Dalton film, you know? Right. <clears throat> so it had gotten to that level, but then die another day took it, you know, just basically took it way past, um, what a lot of people were comfortable with. And to the point where you got an invisible car, mm-hmm. you got, you know, driving Bond, on ice, driving on ace. He's got like, on, on ace on ice. He's got like a, uh, laser like a satellite laser beam is like you know trying to kill him then he's got he's surfing he's you know i don't know what you call it paragliding or surfing or whatever on you know digital waves it was just it was really out there um and so after that film which was it should be said it was a big financial success you know dying of the day did very well at the box office but after that film um eon felt like we've gone a little too far and I think it's important to note, I believe, I don't know when Covey Broccoli died. I don't know when exactly he died, but he was the one that, you know, Covey Broccoli is the one who recruited, you know, he, mm-hmm. he chose Pierce Brosnan. Mm-hmm. And so when it came time to choose a new bond, uh, Covey Broccoli was no longer around, obviously. And this was the first major, you know, big major thing that um, Barbara Broccoli did um, when she took over. And you know, her and her brother, uh, Michael Wilson, it was mm-hmm. Daniel Craig was their pick. So you had four years of no Bond film, you know, between 2002, 2006. Pearson Brosnan, I think, announced, um, you know, that he wasn't coming back. I think he I think he was fired. You know, I think he was I don't know if the full story of that has come out yet, but I think that, you know, he wanted to do another one. But Eon wanted to go in another direction. Um, so in 2004, I believe, you know, Pierce Brosnan said, can't, you know, let everybody know, Hey, I'm not, I'm not coming Mm -hmm. back. So that's when it began. Oh, who's going to be the new bond, you know, which always happens like, Oh shit, who's going to take over when it was announced that Daniel Craig was going to be the new bond. You had backlash, you know, huh? you had, (laughs) huh? You had hell no. Uh-huh. Um, headlines were James Blonde, you know, um, there was just like, how can this guy be Bond? Um, right. he had none of the elements, you know, he didn't look like Bond. He looked, I saw one YouTube video. Um, uh, I always try to give attribution, but I can't remember the guy's name. I think it was Dutch Bond fan. Um, is, is the, the YouTuber's name. And he made the, he made the comment that, look, this guy looked more like one of Bond's, um, the, the villain's henchmen. You know, he looked more mm-hmm. like a Bond villain mm-hmm. henchman. And he did, you know, he kind of he kind of had that look about him. He's a little rough around the edges. So in 2005 or 2006, whenever this announcement was made, 
you know, you get kind of that. I can kind of understand going back to that time, why that backlash happened. And then at the press conference, when he was announced in uh, London, um, he looked very, he looked very suave. You know, if you can go, if you go on YouTube and watch that press conference, you know, Daniel Craig mm-hmm. was very suave. He's very well stated. Um, he seemed very sure of himself. Um, and he, you know, he kind of showed a few elements of like, okay, well maybe this guy can pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the months leading up to the film, it was just like, listen, this is not, you know, it's almost like we were saying in, in, in our last uh, main show episode about people, people saying this is not, you know, my, uh, my, my Captain America, um, maybe about Anthony Mackie. People were saying this isn't my bond. You know, this isn't my bond. This is not, you know, who James right. Bond is supposed to be. Right. And also, it's important to note that in the interim between Die Another Day and Casino Royale, the I think Jason Bourne, the first Jason Bourne film was released, Bourne Identity, mm-hmm. um, which changed everything. You know, you can't understand that impact of, you know, what that did to, you know, the action movie genre and specifically the spy movie genre, um, spy action movie genre, I should say. So there's a lot of pressure on Eon and Daniel Craig to produce a film that was going to one um, reclaim, I guess, Bond's position um, yeah. in, in, in that space. And then also to, um, you know, show people that, yeah, he can be a gritty, you know, Jason Bourne like character, but he can also have those elements that only James Bond can possess. Um so yeah, that was that was kind of the landscape at the time. So going into this movie, there's a lot at stake, and I think that there was just a lot of doubt. There's an enormous amount of doubt. Yeah, my previous exposure to Daniel Craig uh, was really just in just two films: um, his portrayal as Paul Newman's son in uh, *Road to Perdition*. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connor Rooney, who mm-hmm. he was a hothead, who was a, a okay, quasi Sonny Corleone. Um, but also Layer Cake that came out in 2004. Mm-hmm. Which is which, what got him the role, really. Yeah, and um, but it showed off his action prowess and also uh, some, some of the debonair that he carried over to the Bond character, I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember specifically. I can't put my finger on one thing specifically that attracted me to Casino Royale. Um, apart from the fact that this Bond looked like he'd been through some shit. <laughs> right you know He's a Sean rough. Connery Roger Moore uh even Timothy Dalton and Pierce Brosnan of course you know all looked like they just got back from the spa mm-hmm. um and if you're an MI6 agent you know particularly if you've got double O status you you've you've been through some stuff mm-hmm. and Daniel Craig exuded that um and it provided, and I think you, you used a great word, gritty. You know, it provided that gritty characteristic that had been missing from previous Bond films. And also, you know, the story starts at ground zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, and you I, know, he I, just gets his double, you know, he earns his double O status. And, and he's coming into the role, real life and in film, as the underdog. Right. And I think even before we dive into that, I think that it's important to note, first of all, that... Martin Campbell came back for this film. Martin Campbell directed Goldeneye. And mm-hmm. so Goldeneye is the most re, you know, grounded of the the Brosnan films. Um not to say it's that it's not, it's not as grounded as Casino Royale and it's nowhere near mm-hmm. as grounded as that, but it is the most grounded of the Brosnan films and it contains one of the most brutal um fight scenes in the series in the Bond series um you know at the end between Bond and 
um, Alex Trevelyan, um, 00, former 006. So I think that's important to note that he came, that Martin Campbell came back to this film. Um, also, keep in mind, Spectre was mm-hmm. still, this will play a role later in the conversation while later, but Spectre was still not owned by Eon. You know, they couldn't use Spectre. Um, it was still caught up in all the legal stuff going all the way back to Thunderball. Um, mm. And that wouldn't be unraveled until a couple more years later when obviously they were able to use it in, in the movie Spectre. Um, so that's important to note. But to your point, I, yeah, I agree with you as far as, you know, the way that Daniel Craig, just from a visual and from a from an aesthetic presented himself. He did have that rough around the edges, been through th- been through some things similar to Jason Bourne. You know, he didn't look yeah. completely polished. Um, yeah. I will. I think it's important, though, to point out, though, that. The precedence for all this was set with Timothy Dalton. You can't, mm-hmm. you, if you look at, you know, lights, or if you look at Living Daylight Lights and specifically License to Kill, these were some, Li- License to Kill was brutal. I mean, by the end of that film, Timothy Dalton is fucked up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he looks, mm-hmm. he looks literally, he's, you know, cut up, bruised. He looks terrible. And you never mm-hmm. saw, you know, um, Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan like that, you know, um, or even Connery to, 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 the, to that point, or even Lazenby. So, yeah, I think there was precedence for this, but it wasn't, you know, to this level until we get to Casino Royale. And yeah, they're going all the way back to the beginning and they're going back to the first Fleming book, which they finally got the rights to. Um, and they don't pull any punches, which is what we're about to get into now. So let's uh, let's move into the next section to pre-titles and song. What did you think about the pre-titles sequence of this movie? I didn't know what to expect because um, because I really wasn't feeling dying die another day i uh tried to go into this with uh you know with the clean slate mm-hmm. um i was not expecting the the fight scene i mean the the just the hand to hand brutal uh fight scene that uh was shown as a as a flashback right. when james bond is actually confronting um the uh Contact. i guess you say yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was I almost called him a mole, but no, he really wasn't a mole. Mm-hmm. Um what I really appreciated was how Bond is shown in that classic framing where traditionally, you know, you see the, you know, you see the 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 black and white sort of curved overlay and the circle and yeah, the gun know, Bond is walking through casually and all of a sudden he turns at you. Mm-hmm. You know, here it's done, you know, in 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 um um in like actual time. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Craig turns around and shoots the assailant that he was beating up, mm-hmm. you know. Um and, you know, they went and captured it and then they throw you into the 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 theme song. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen The Third Man? Um Orson Welles and who else was in that movie? Uh, Once a long time ago. Okay, so I, I, I just like the first time I saw it was like maybe a year or two ago. So I, it's, it's a little bit more, uh, it's a little fresher in my mind. So that you know this this pre titles put me in the, in the mindset of that when I just because I you know I watched Casino Royale the other night and prep for this show and I hadn't seen it in a while. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, that you know it put me right in the mindset of the Third Man and. You know, obviously, I think that, and that's a classic, you know, spy uh, film. So I think that mm-hmm. this their their goal with this pre-title sequence, um, with all the things riding on, you know, all the things at stake that we just talked about a minute ago um, in the previous section. This, you know, they wanted to make a statement, and they were taking Bond all the way back to, even though if not in in actual time in the movie, because the movie took place in modern time. 
they were taking the aesthetic back to, you know, Fleming era bond and like mm -hmm. saying, listen, mm -hmm. this is, you know, we're really grounding this hundred percent back in that era. So the first thing you see when it's, it's almost like that camera angle is a little off, you know, he's a, a Dryden. I think his name is Dryden. It's the, uh, the guy, um, the MI6 guy that bond eventually kills. He's coming up the elevator and, you know, it's kind of like at an angle, the camera angle is a little askew. So I, again, I got that, you know, uh, like a, an homage to those older spy black and white spy movies. Um, but then the reveal of Daniel Craig, I was a little surprised when I first saw it that not, not even when I first saw it, but when I saw it in later viewings, they showed his face so quickly. A lot of the Bond pre-title sequences, they don't show the face of Bond until like there's a reveal. Like, and if you think about mm, you didn't yeah. you didn't see Goldeneye in the theater, but I know you've seen Goldeneye. It's a few minutes before we actually see Pierce Brosnan's face. In Living Daylights, Timothy Dalton, you know, you don't you see the back of his head a few times and then, you know, there's whip around where you kind of he gets revealed and it's kind of dramatic. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Roger Moore was different, but and I think uh, Lazenby is kind of like a reveal. You know, you see a shadow or whatever on the beach and then, you, you know, he, he shows his face a little later. Um, and of course, Connery with the famous, you know, the camera pans around and it pans up on his face and he does the whole, you know, Bond, James Bond. So it, I was surprised they showed. Kim, uh, Craig's face so easily in this reveal. It wasn't like a whole, you know, he's in the shadows and then he steps forward. Although they, they do it later and we talk about that in a minute in the title sequence. But I loved how he was revealed in the sense of he was on a mission. Um, he wasn't a double O yet. They made that very right. clear to you. Right. Um, they used a flashback to your point to show his first kill. Um, mm -hmm. and then he's, he seems, he has a very deadly aura about him. So, you, you know, you get that, okay, yeah, they're definitely going in the Jason Bourne direction. This is going to be much different, much raw, much more raw than Pierce Brosnan, blah, blah, blah. But then what I really loved is he does a famous James Bond thing, you know, to end that scene. Dryden says to him, you know, after Dryden tries to kill him and he's, yeah. you know, he's, he realizes that Bond has found his gun. And then Dryden is talking to him about, oh, you killed my contact and he was your first, you know, and I know, mm -hmm. you know, you need two to become a double O. So that was your first. OK. And then he's like, you know, he made you feel it. He made you feel it, did he? And I love that line that Dryden says, because they show the flashback and you see Bond, you know, after he kills the contact and you see the look yeah. on his face and he's shook, you know, and yeah. it's like, whoa, yeah. when's the last time we saw James Bond shook after killing someone? That doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. he kills somebody, he makes a joke and he keeps it moving. But to see him after his first kill and he's looking at him like, uh, you know, you know, he's tripping out that he just killed somebody with his bare hands. Um, he yeah. drowned the guy and Dryden is talking to him about it in retrospect and saying, yeah, he made you feel it. Then Dryden says, you know, well, you needn't worry, you know, because the second one Bond shoots him before he can finish the sentence. And then Daniel Craig's Bond does the first Bondian thing. He, you know, really Bondian thing within the first few minutes. He makes a quip. He says, yeah. Yes, considerably. And then he puts his mm -hmm. gun away. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Dude is like Jason Bourne and he's James Bond. You know, it's like right. he's still the witty kind of like, I'm going to make a joke after I just murdered somebody type shit. You right. know, it's like it, that that I think was a brilliant move um, on the writer's part. And it was brilliantly shot by um, by Martin Campbell. So I love this pre-title sequence, man. I loved it. Yeah. How did you feel moving into the title sequence in the song? How did you feel about the title sequence in the song? Well, and let me just say this: the the only the only issue, uh, and it, it's minor, but it's 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 real. Mm -hmm. um, there were actually two issues. One being that Dryden would have he 
he would have known that his clip of his gun was missing because the weight of the gun would have felt differently. Mm-hmm. Um, have you so ever seen, that. let me interrupt you really quick. Have you ever seen uh, Taken, the first Taken film, Liam Neeson? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah. a really great line in there. They almost kind of, I guess they kind of take this a little bit from Bond, but he does the same thing to somebody. Um, the, the French dude, his French friend, his friend in the French uh, Secret Service, he takes, you know, the Willis out of him and the guy tries to shoot Liam Neeson and Liam Neeson makes the comment to him like, I guess sitting behind a desk so long has made you forget the weight of a gun when it's empty. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing, but he said it like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So that could have been that could have been, you know, the thing against Dryden. Like, yeah, Dryden's been head of station, sitting behind a desk. Yeah. He don't know how, 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 how his gun is supposed to feel anymore. OK, well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, but the second thing, which which I think is just a just a bit more obvious, is um, um, in the flashback where Bond is beating down the dude, right? Drowns him in the sink, mm-hmm. and then uh, he, you know we he kills Drayden, he kills Drayden. We come back and we get the you know the framing, and Daniel Craig turns around and shoots the guy because the guy that he beat down actually got up with his gun mm-hmm. to shoot bond mm-hmm. well if he in took if he took in all that water he would have coughed <laughs> you mad because he didn't cough <laughs> i'm not mad i'm just saying since we're breaking it down <laughs> since we being real about it since it's gritty we, and it's grounded <laughs> right dude should have coughed up some water okay all right. Right, right right maybe right. that's but in it, the deleted scenes i don't know but it was but it was but it, but it was great uh-huh. you know um <laughs> Anyway, um, so title sequence. How did you feel? Title, about the title sequence. sequence? Theme uh, song uh, performed by Chris Cornell, formerly right. of Soundgarden, uh, the late Chris Cornell. Right. Um, I thought it was a great, great Bond song. I, I think they did a really good job of, of reintroducing Bond mm-hmm. um, and establishing a clean slate um, and with them doing a film version of the first Ian Fleming novel, they didn't have to necessarily make anything up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I really appreciated the, uh, the titles, the, the visuals, the visual effects themselves, which were all done as a playing card motif. Mm-hmm. Right. Who was the um, design? Who was the, the designer? Um, it was the same designer from some, some of the other films who did the title sequence? Yeah, a longtime um, title se- Bond title sequence um, designer named Daniel Kleinman, mm-hmm. um, uh, who's English. He had been doing titles since GoldenEye. Uh, the only one that he had not done uh, was Quantum of Solace, the mm-hmm. sequel to uh, Casino Royale. Um, I like how there were uh, there was this duality with adversaries that bond effectively you know kills mm-hmm. but they're killed with the the playing cards themselves either a club or a diamond right. or an ace he actually loads know. his gun with the uh the clubs yeah right and it's kind of a duality with what's going to happen with bond uh and his relationship with vesper mm-hmm. foreshadow mm-hmm. and that's i mean i guess a lot of the most of the title the great the good really good title sequences they definitely foreshadow what you're going to see in the film yeah um skyfall damn near told the whole story in the, in the pre-title or the title sequence and you know one thing that's really unique is that it's bright mm-hmm. because of all the color right what, let me usually ask- bond titles are dark 
what else is unique about it? Let me foreshadow a section that we're getting into later, but let me ask you a, a quick question or dare I say a trivia question. What, uh, what else is unique about this title sequence? What is missing out of this title sequence that's present in damn near maybe all of the other title sequences? Uh, there's no woman, no women. There is a woman. They do show Vesper, but there are no blank women. Naked, naked women. is the word you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> no, naked is the word you're looking for. <laughs> That's another podcast. Um, but yeah, there's no, this is a, this is a very different, you know, um, Bond title sequence. It's, it's bold. It's bold. It's bright. It's very, the song is hyper masculine. You know, song is, is hyper aggressive as we talked about before. Um, but there's no there's no dancing naked women um which has been a feature of pretty much every other bond title sequence to my knowledge so and, and there is that sense of you know they hide daniel's daniel craig's face a lot in this title sequence and the words of the song are saying you know um basically laying out it's it's very it's, it's it sounds almost like it's coming from his point of view but then at times it feels like it's coming from m's point of view or mm -hmm. someone else who's telling him mm -hmm. telling bond like you know no one's coming to save you. You know, you're on your own. You're expendable. Um, but then it also sounds like Bond's point of view when he's talking about, you know, I've seen angels fall from blinding heights. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm cold. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm cold. There's nothing but coldness in me, blah, 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 all these things. So and I'm paraphrasing a lot. You guys should definitely look up the lyrics because it's a very well written song. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's that type of song. And then the title sequence parallels that by now nah, we're not going to show you anything you know that's you know we're not going to just show you naked women just to show you naked women um we're going to show bond fighting his way through this scene um through this tableau and at the end when he's screaming you know you know my name you know my name they reveal mm -hmm, yeah. his face you know they reveal yeah. daniel craig's face so it's i mean it's, it's brilliant i mean I, that, that's my opinion of it. i think it's just it's a brilliant titles uh, it's a brilliant title sequence and it's a brilliant title sequence um married to a brilliant song um, all right to set it up let's move to uh rated bond rated um, bond craig's aesthetic how do you do how did james bond do in this film um i think james bond in this film is if we're going to rate him on, you know, okay, how did he do as a, you know, a secret agent and as a compare him to the James Bond he is in other films, he didn't mm -hmm. do too good. <laughs> he didn't do too good. <laughs> Ultimately, he wins, but he fucked up a lot, a lot along the way. And I think that was, um, I'm forgiving of it because that was the point. You know, this is James Bond. This is the nascent James Bond. This is the James Bond before he becomes the Bond that we know and say, you know, Goldfinger or Thunderball or um, right. Living Daylights or, you know, name your film. This is the James Bond who, you know, who is not um, in supreme command of all his faculties. You know what I'm saying? So he at the beginning of this film, um, you know, like I say, he wins. He wins a lot. He survives um, mm -hmm. against the various foes throughout this movie. Um, but by the probably the midpoint or probably at the even the beginning of this film, we realized this dude He's this bond is really reckless. You know, this bond is right. really to I don't want to say immature, um, but this bond is arrogant um, mm -hmm. and he's cocky. And he, you know, he he in the beginning of the movie, he 
he's on a mission to capture somebody alive, to capture up that bomb maker alive. He even tells the other agent, you know, holster your weapon. I need him alive. We need him right. alive. Um, but then, of course, Bond ends up killing him and mm-hmm. he gets, you know, scolded by him later. Like, you know, I can send anybody out there to kill him. You know, you're a double O now. I'm sending you to do more than that. I need you to be dispassionate. Um, I need you to think. You know, you can't just be a blunt instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, but this Bond, the way he performs in this movie for probably, I don't know, maybe 70 percent of this film, 80 percent of this film. Um, he's just not up to he's not up to par, all, almost to the point where he loses to Le Chiffre. He almost loses the, the entire mission. Um, the only thing that saves him is is Jeffrey Wright, is, is Felix Leiter's character right. um, who comes to the rescue and gives him the money to buy back in. Um, cause Vesper is like, hell no. So I think that he's, you know, he's, he's an unformed bond and it's, it's, I'm, I'm a hundred percent cool with it because that's the entire point of the movie. Um, other than that, before I'll, 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 I'll let you jump in, in a second, but the other impressions I had of bond in this film is that he's also unformed in the sense that he's not, well, I shouldn't say unformed, but this bond in contrast to some of the other bonds He's not, he's, he's a quote unquote lover man, but he's not going, the mission is, is forefront. You know, the mission is like Mm -hmm. at the beginning before any of his physical pleasures. And to the point where, like, I remember he was kind of flirting with uh, the girl at the desk at the, uh, when he was at the, the resort in uh, the Bahamas. When he first comes in. Yeah. He's flirting with her, but he never really, you know, he just, he just kind of flirts with her, but he doesn't, you know, invite her back to the room or ask her out for a drink or anything like that. And, you know, that's pretty much what you expect from Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, Solange, uh, the, uh, Demetrius. the Demetrius's uh, wife, um, he initiates Bond initiates uh, an affair with her um, to get to Demetrius. And when it's apparent that Demetrius has left the country, going back to, to Miami for the night, Bond abandons Solange to chase Demetrius. Now, let me ask you, you are Roger Moorhead. Can you see Roger Moore making that Roger Moore's bond making that decision? You know? No, from Roger Moore would have called Felix Leiter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Felix, guess who's coming to Miami? <laughs> I need you to take care of something for me in Miami. And then and then Felix is like, well, yeah, Felix would ask Rogers would ask Roger Moore's bond. Well, why can't you do it? And Roger Moore would be like, because I'm busy. I'm, I'm handling right. more important things. Roger's been what, like, yeah, well, I'm, t- I'm tied up. <laughs> I'm tied up. So, yeah, I mean, that was a stark, you know, difference, you know, and yeah, this bond in this movie as compared to to other bonds. Um, so, I mean, that was, you know, it, it, this was just I mean, m- overall, I feel like I rate bond in this film high and low but mm-hmm. i rate him i rate him high because he's playing the low part very well and that's what that's yeah. what the whole point is well you know i saw him as having something to prove um throughout the whole thing um he's got something to prove to himself he's got something to prove to m maybe he feels like he should have been made a double o you know a year earlier or something um he doesn't trust anyone else to handle the mission um he doesn't inform really what's going on mm. you know when um when he breaks into m's apartment and she discovers him you know and she begins to berate him about you know that's all we got one bomber he wasn't even a true believer right. you know bond had more information by that time you know he knew he 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 knew where where the text message that the bomb maker got originated from and that's what sends him to the bahamas 
but he right. doesn't tell anybody that he's going to the Bahamas, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and when that discovery is made and M flies to the Bahamas after Demetrius's wife, after Solange has been killed by the chief's men, mm-hmm. um, he gets injected with a tracker, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, to keep an eye on him because now she realizes, okay, he's actually making some progress, but he's not going to let anybody know about it. Right. Meaning right. he doesn't care about backup, even though he really needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he is rough around the edges. Um, it's Vesper that helps him out immensely, um, even down to what his attire is going to be. She has a t- jacket tailored for him mm-hmm. before he goes down to start playing cards. <laughs> and Bond is protesting. He's like, I have a jacket. And she's like, there are dinner jackets and then there are dinner jackets. That is a that great is point. ladder. That's a great point. And he can't point. say anything because, really, he's ignorant to that. That's he, a great he, point. I never even thought about that. Yeah. And the James Bond that we know would have all his shit tailored already. You know, he's right. like, nobody knows more about clothes than him. But she had to come in like, you know, like mom and be like, no, you, that thing you have, that's just a dinner jacket. You know, right. this is a dinner jacket like this. And I need you looking like this. That's a great point. I never thought about that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and he looks I a little out of place, doesn't he? Doesn't he, he looks always out look, of place? He looks, and that's the thing. Disheveled. That's the thing. It mirrors it mirrors the real world because Daniel Craig, the actor, is going and looking out of place. Mm-hmm. Bond has never been other than uh, a brunette, mm-hmm. tall, you dark, know? and handsome. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think that she makes you know Vesper makes the point to him when we get to this a little bit later, but she makes the point to him that he's um like he never really fits in you know with the oxford Mm -hmm. crowd or whatever Mm -hmm. and i think all Mm -hmm. through that movie to your point he i'm glad you brought this up i never even thought about it that way but yeah he definitely even when he's wearing a suit which a lot of times in this movie he's not wearing a suit um but you know which is in contrast to who we you know imagine bond in our mind he's wearing t-shirt you know and jackets and just looking like you said a little rough um, but even when he is wearing a suit all the way up until the end, and maybe the end is a little different, but for most of this film, when he's wearing a suit or a tuxedo, or as they, as they say in the UK, a dinner jacket, he looks uncomfortable and kind of not like, he just looks out of place like that. You can yeah. just look at him and say like that. That's not usually how he dresses. Yeah, um, to jump all the way ahead, I mean, by the end of the film, the three-piece suit that he's wearing, he looks like James Bond. Right, which I think was their whole point, which, to your point, is just, I think it's brilliant. Like, you know, for her to have to tell him, like, no, you you did not have a dinner jacket. This is a dinner jacket. And, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. that was that was, that was was a great scene. The other thing, really quickly, um, before we move on, I think for me, this Bond, and I mentioned this earlier, this Bond was emotive. You know, this Bond, mm-hmm. I've never, mm-hmm. we've never seen Bond this emotional both from that moment, you know, when he kills the guy and he looks at him and you see it on his face that he's, you know, a little shook by what he just did all the way up to Vesper's death. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. all through Great there, scene. you see. Great scene. Yeah, Great you, scene. You see these different emotions after he kills uh, the, the, the two brothers from Uganda um, and he comes back up to the room. He's shaking in. He has to take a drink, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and there's this this, you know there's all these moments throughout this film where you see him. And, and I'll tell you what, the, one of the best moments, one of the greatest moments of realization, um, and Daniel Craig played this beautifully, the torture scene. Ugh. And Le Chiffre is explaining to him, 
and you know, cause Bond is like, listen, I'm going to die here and you're not going to get shit, you know, and mm-hmm. then, you know, it does, mm-hmm. you know, so you might, you're just wasting your time. Mm-hmm. And you know, the people you stole the money from, they're going to come after you and they're going to kill you. And the chief has to explain him like, no, I'll go to your organization and they'll welcome me with open arms. Cause I'm just going to give them information. Right. And the moment at that moment, it comes across Don, uh, Daniel Craig's face. He realizes, oh, this is what M was talking about. I don't see the big picture. I need to see the big picture. And I, I failed to see it. Good point. Yeah. Oh, man. Good it was point. just like it was a beautiful moment. And so this this is a very flawed bond. But again, I rate them very, very high, very high. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to next section. Women versus villain. Yeah, we um, talked a little bit about Solange and Vesper, and we talked about Lashif. We can't talk enough about Solange in my my book, man. <laughs> we could talk about Solange. We could talk about we could do a Solange podcast. You know, Mad and Real colon Solange. She in my book is one of the finest you know uh, Bond women ever, ever. It hurt me what happened to her, um, but Katarina Moreno, I think is her name, um, the actress who plays her. Um, and she's she she that she's top of the list. You know, maybe one day we'll do top Bond women, but she's at the top of our list. Um, so yeah, it hurt me at the way she ended up. But how did you feel? You know, okay, if you look at them, and because really, okay, how, we got Solange, we got Vesper, mm-hmm. yeah, and then as far as villains, we obviously we got Lachifre, but we also really have Mister White. You we know, Mister so White. Who talked to me about all of them? How did you feel about Solange and Vesper? Okay. Um, I really did. I really did like Solange. Um, one thing I didn't like was her entrance. Which because one? Solange's entrance. No, I'm saying which. You talking about when she was on the horse? Or you talking about when she came into the casino? If oh, you talking about when she came into the casino, we about to fight. But go ahead. No, no, no. When she's on the horse on okay. the beach. All right, yeah. That was, so that was we wild. first see her in a bikini riding a white horse <laughs> at the edge of a beach. It's at the edge of the water, and there are three. Bahamian black children running behind her. Right, that was why. And we get a nice clear shot of the children stopping and the little boy in the front is smiling and he just sighs. <laughs> the expression on your face right there was just, that was that was his expression. That was you know perfect. what I mean? I wish everybody could have seen that. Like yeah. that is what I want in life. <laughs> I want a I want a white woman on a horse. Technically, yes. I think she's I think she's technically I think she's a person of color. She is I don't know Catalina's uh background. I don't know where she's from. But I, I get your point. It was very much a moment of raw adoration. Yeah, well she's Italian. She's okay, Italian. She's, but brother, let me ask you. If you was chasing, if you was on that beach, wouldn't you be looking at her the same way? <laughs> be real. <laughs> be real. Let's keep it real. <laughs> We call this Number mad one, unreal, I'm, but let's keep it real for a second. I'm okay. I'm not running behind her. <laughs> You're not running behind her, but you might be off to the side. You might be like Bond. You might come up from the water and look at her like, whoa, from like 50 feet. You know, he's probably, he's good at 50 yards away from her at that point. But even he scoped her out. Right. I mean, that's for. That's the other no podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, we'll do that. Right. We'll get to that on the mad right, unreal right. Solange podcast. Right. <laughs> But you did appreciate um, her entrance, the casino thing, when she comes to the casino in that pink uh, silk dress. Yes. Yes. That yes. was a record scratch. That was a classic Bond. And there's two of them in this movie. We'll get to the other one in, another, in a minute. But there's two moments in this movie where the Bond women scratch that rec- that needle across the record. And it's like, whoa, 
you know, and that that was a that was an excellent moment. Yeah, it's almost mismatched in a way because his reaction when Vesper walks in, it's, it's, it's almost the like moment. that's the reaction you're supposed to have. Right. <laughs> that's, the other, that's the other moment. You're not supposed to have that reaction with Vesper. That's the other moment. I would have had it with both of them, but that's that's the moment. You know what I'm saying? It's like he just stopped and like, whoa. And yeah, when Solange comes in that casino and her husband plays her off so foul, I'm like, whoa, this dude's really out of his yeah. mind. But. But, but, you know, let me go on record by saying that I think I think my favorite quote unquote Bond girl, and I I do not like that connotation. Um, you call them Bond women. We're progressive over here. Yeah. So so cool. Scratch all that. So you know my my favorite my favorite Bond woman is played by Barbara Bach. Okay. Spy who loved uh, me. Yeah, from Spy who loved me, and and um, Vesper comes really close to that. Mm. Vesper, it you know it's revealed that she has her own motive. Mm-hmm. That has almost nothing to do with what Bond's mission is. Mm-hmm. You know, Vesper is in play because she needs money to well, be able she, to. Yeah, she needs she needs she needs to get the money for the people who are blackmailing her. Yeah, correct. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and essentially she, those people she may says, or may not be connected to Mr. White. Right. We don't we, we really don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, in Casino Royale. Essentially, by the end, though, she's saving Bond's life. You know, she makes Correct. a deal to save his life, you know, and that's why she needs money. Um, but so I, I think I, I think she was the I think she's the most well-rounded mm-hmm. um, w- woman in Bond's life in, in all of the in all of the franchise films. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in this in the sense of because every Bond film that comes out, you know, there's an article. These Bond women or Bond girls are, rein, are reinventing the Bond girl. You know, they do that every movie. Right. Um, but if you look back, there are some examples, man. I watched GoldenEye recently. I hadn't seen GoldenEye mm-hmm. in a while, Raw, and it's on Netflix now, so I watched it recently. And um, just on, you know, just flipping around, I was like, oh, let me, let me watch GoldenEye. And um, uh, Natalia, the Bond woman in that movie is, I mean, I, I had forgotten how, not just how um, attractive she is, but also how independent she is of Bond. And mm-hmm. she's just... Mm-hmm. If you go back and watch that film, she's there are many instances when not just that she saves them, but she's on her own thing. And he's like, no, you do this. And she's like, no, you do that. I'm going to go over here and do this. You know, and it's like, wow, this is back in. I don't know what I forget what year that film came out. I think it was 1995, I think. Um, So that's, you know, a long time ago in terms Mm -hmm. of progressiveness and the Bond women. But to your point, yeah, I think Vesper. For for obvious reasons, Vesper is the most you know rounded out character, and especially not just in the Bond series, but in, in Daniel Craig's era. You know what I'm saying? Because that's she's the foundation, man. She's she's lays the groundwork really for what everything he goes through later. You know, right. and with the exception of I guess you could argue Skyfall, all the films kind of revolve around his you know recovery almost I guess from what he went through with her. Yeah, um, she, she's the great Which, love of his life. Yeah, which also makes Casino Royale very unique in the in uh, uh, in in the franchise because it it's the f- it's the first film in a multi part series, mm-hmm. and you've never you never had that right in James Bond. Right. You've had you've you know you've had things be recalled or mm-hmm. you know Blofeld appears in in you know in multiple films uh, uh, over the last fifty years, but there's no part one, part two, part mm-hmm. three, part four, part five like we're seeing now. 
So let me ask you. Now, I'll, I'll, last thing. I'll back say to about the villains. The, last thing I'll say about the women, though. I think the scene between Bond and Vesper on the train is one of the best written scenes in any of the Bonds. I mean, it was it was mm. excellent. Mm-hmm. It was just you know the, quid the pro dialogue quo that happens. Yeah. Oh, the byplay between them. Um, you know the flirtations, the beginning of the traction, the attraction, the opening line. You know, I'm the money. You know, every penny of it. I hope there's a re- I hope there's a recall to that, you know, to that scene mm. back in, in coming up in No Time to Die. Okay, but the villains. How did you feel about um Le Chiffre and, and Mr. White? I, I I liked I liked Le Chiffre. Um uh, I can't pronounce it the way it really needs to be pronounced. So I, I like Le Chiffre. Um mm-hmm. the the really cool thing about it was that Le Chiffre was as vulnerable as Von Bond was. Mm. Good but point. not from an emotional standpoint, but just from a physical standpoint. He had people after him. And right. He knew that time was running out. He had a very small window mm-hmm. to be able to get his train back on track. Mm-hmm. I think Mads Mikkelsen's uh, portrayal of Le Chief, um was uh, um, great. I, I liked him. I liked him a lot. He's memorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's one. He, he ends up being, I think, in terms of. Well, I won't say that. We can get to that later. But I, he's definitely one of the standout, you know, villains of the series. And then you throw in the classic Bond trope of having some sort of physical defect, you know, with the villain. So he's got the the eye and you know weeping blood and all that stuff. So right. I think though, for me, Le Chief, um, the one of the what set him up was right in the beginning when you first meet him, and um, the brother asks him, you know, do you believe in God? And he says, no, I believe right. in a reasonable return of exchange. Or what does he say? No, I believe reasonable in- rate of return, right? A reasonable rate of return. I love that line. And it's like, that just told you everything you need to know about this guy. And he does play a very cool throughout a lot of the movie until, like you said, he's attacked in his room by the warlord. Mm-hmm. And when he finally loses the game and he has to, he, you know, he shook, he's like, I just, you know, he lost 150 million. Um, he's got people after him. So that's when he goes into, you know, the uh, kidnap and torture mode. Um, but by far, man, I think Mr. White, I, I, I love Mr. White. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a Mr. White stan. And not just mm-hmm. because of this movie, but because of what happens in Quantum as well. He has a, one of my favorite lines ever in Quantum. Um, but his he to me, Mr. White was kind of the opposite of Blofeld in this movie in the sense mm-hmm. of Blofeld in the old movies you know, before you actually saw, got to see his face, you would just see Blofeld stroking, stroking that cat and you would, you know, you wouldn't get to see his face. You just heard his voice. Right. And there was the revealing of all his whole plan and his whole um, organization, but there wasn't the revealing of who Blofeld is himself. And we kind of get the flip of this. Like we get to see Mr. White, you know, we see him visually, we see, you know, what he's about and who he's working with. But we don't know anything about his organization. We don't know the name because, like I said, at this point, they couldn't say Spectre. And I guess they hadn't made the decision to say Quantum yet. Um, so he just refers to it as, you know, our organization. Yeah. Um, but we don't get the name and we don't get the the structure and what is involved. You know, so we don't get anything. We, we don't know anything about this guy. We just know right. that he seems to be the one that's in control. Um, and I loved him. I thought he was he was great. So if I, you know, to wrap this segment up, women versus villain for me. Um, and I want to hear what your, what, your, what your answer is. But for me, it's almost a tie between who I liked the most, the the Bond women or the Bond villain in this film, mm-hmm. Bond villains mm-hmm. in this film. 
Mm-hmm. The edge, though, for me goes to the Bond women. And that's only because of Vesper. That only because mm-hmm. it's only because Vesper is the echo that lives throughout all of these other films. And she's mm-hmm. the strong echo, not just the faint. She's the strong echo um, that rocks, you know, Bond's or Craig's Bond for the next three films or whatever. Yeah. So I would give the edge to uh, the Bond women. But who do you who do you, who, who do you pick Bond women or Bond villain? Um, I, I'm going to give the edge to the villains. Okay, why? I think the one, I think the one-two combination of of uh, White and Lashif, um edge out the women because I'm still trying to understand the relationship between White and Lashif, and if Bond is now a focal point by accident or circumstance, or if. British Secret Service was a consideration all along. And what I mean by that is at the end of the film where Mr. White effectively saves Bond's, you know, life. He certainly saves his, you know. <laughs> his genitalia, but he's, he right. saved it only because Vesper made the deal with him. But go ahead. But did Vesper make the deal with Mr. White? Yeah, that's that's the only way because she made it in the other room. It's off screen, but right. she makes a deal with him to save, you know, save our lives in other words save and save bond's life don't just save my life save bond's life and i will get your organization the 115 mil i'll get it back for you okay so mr white as the broker in the beginning of the film with the warlord and makes the connection with lashif that's just a side play right that's yeah he's the middle like like i'm you know right i'm the middle i'm the middle man i'm i'm gonna broker this deal Mm -hmm. you know but among my duties i'm also dealing with this money that I need because I'm going to kill this girl's boyfriend and you know she represents the British Treasury and she got a sign to go to this poker game that Lashif happens to be putting on because Lashif's in debt but that ain't got nothing to do with me however (laughs) I need to protect my interest (laughs) I need to protect my interest and I'm the one to hook these you know this this guy up with these these people so there's that at play that's you know and that's really to be nitpicky that's the one you know big plot hole in this thing is the whole reason why MI6 needs to send Bond to go play this card game because their reasoning uh-huh. is like, okay, if Le Chiffre loses this 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 uh, card game, he'll have nowhere to go and he'll uh-huh. come to us and then we we can make him work for us. Well, if you know that, why don't you just go get him now, scoop him up now when he's already broke and he got you know, and then force him to 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 do to work for you. Um, so it's kind of a plot hole, you know, the, the machinations of that are a little bit um, opaque. And I, I think that, yeah. you know, they get in the weeds a little bit there. OK, so you picked the villains. That's interesting. You know, I want to come back to this. I want to come back to Mr. White, though, when we do the Quantum Solace review. Sure, sure. Um, OK, so any last words, Mr. Bond, the last section? Um, any? Do you have any last words or final thoughts about the film? Well, I think it's a great film. It's one of my favorites. Uh, I mean, it's in my top. It's definitely in my top five. It might be in my top three Bond films. Um, I think that it it um, incorporates the feel of what Jason Bourne started without it, and also with what Mission Impossible started without it being an also ran. And that's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Craig is going to go down uh, in history as um, one of the best Bonds mm-hmm. because of his portrayal. Um, in a revisionist universe, he'd probably be uh, number one ahead of Connery. Mm. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, I, I think that a lot of people, and you know, when you talk about what is what are your favorite Bond films, you know, of course, you, on this show, and I think on our all of our shows, um, uh, 
uh, snobs on film, music snobs. I think we try to, you know, be okay. What is the objective answer to those type of questions, and what's the right. subjective answer? Right. And objectively speaking, I, you know, if anybody says that Casino Royale is their favorite Bond film of all, I cannot argue with that one bit. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. this, this, not only was it a great movie, it was a great movie that defied all of the um, doubt. You know what I'm saying? That surrounded it. This was like the. This was the. This was Ali and uh, Ali and uh, uh, the rope dope. You know what I'm saying? He he, you know what I'm saying? They, they, this, this movie basically rope doped everybody, and they came out of nowhere with this punch. And it was just like, man, um, you know, nobody was expecting this movie to be this great. Um, so I, you know, I've I've seen it, you know, countless times. But in watching it the other night, you know, prepping for this show. I was, uh, I hate to say it, but I was surprised again. I was like, wow, I forgot how mm. good, you know, this movie is. There's just several, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, man, the, the, the death scene, Vesper's death scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. that is, they don't yeah. pull when, any punches. Um, right. You know, he's, Bond is frantic, you know, because remember moments before that, you know, 10 minutes before that, when he realized, when he thought she had betrayed him, you know, right. he was ready to kill her. You he know, was ready to kill her. Yeah. Right. He went back uh-huh. into, you know, double O mode and forget all this love stuff. And I'm not, you know, I left the service. Now I'm coming back and, you know, she betrayed me, blah, blah, blah. But then when he kind of realizes what's going on, he, he sees her dying, you know, all that stuff, you know, he didn't care about her betraying her, nothing. It was, this mm-hmm. is the woman he loved mm-hmm. and she's drowning and she, Vesper, you know, let's be clear. Vesper kills herself essentially because she knows that if she's alive, the organization that Mr. White works for will use her, you know, will use her against Bond. They'll kidnap her. They'll threaten Mm -hmm. and Bond will be in their pocket. And then, you know, all kinds of shit is going to jump off. So -hmm. that's why she kills herself. Um, But in the book, she kills herself. I believe in the original Casino Royale, she slits her wrist or something in the bathtub. This is obviously much more dramatic. And, that mm-hmm. scene, man, it gets me every time, you know, when, when she's drowning and she looks at him, she gives him, you know, she says, I'm sorry. And she locks the door. Mm-hmm. Then she's, you know, in the underwater and she gives him that look of defiance and backs away out of his and reach, backs away out of his reach and then starts gasping for air. And Bond just loses his mind and trying mm-hmm. to get that door open. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's, I mean, it, it fucks me up every time. And then, to see him, you know, when he gets her up to the surface and he's trying to, you know, last chance, you know, trying to get some air in her and he realizes that she's dead. And at first he's furious and then he kind of just breaks down. You've never seen James Bond like that. You know what I'm right. saying? Not even when Tracy right. died. You know, not even when Tracy died. Not even mm-hmm. in uh, uh, Majesties. Um, you've never seen that in a James Bond movie. And more emotive than even Jason Bourne was when um, uh, his girl died in the second film. Um, yeah, so it's, it was, you know, you can't, you can't really, again, I was, I was unprepared for how good this movie was, even though I've seen it a million times. Um, also let's give a shout out to Felix, Jeffrey Wright, before we, before oh, we yes. Jeffrey yeah. Wright, um, killed it as Felix, definitely the best Felix ever. Very glad. I hate that they didn't use him enough. He wasn't in, um, Skyfall. He wasn't inspector. Thank God um, Fukunaga had the good sense to bring his brother back um, in no time to die. So I look forward to that. Hopefully he's not going to die. Um, hopefully they're not going to kill Felix off. So listen, had fun doing that review with you, but now I have a surprise for you, brother. Not really a surprise. I've told you about this. I have a surprise for the listeners. So the final section of our reviews um, for the next uh, for this film and the next three films 
we're going to do a section called a segment, I should say, called Q&A, a.k.a. Question and Arthur. So listeners, this is not just involving Arthur. He's not about to be the only one that's about to be put to the test here. I want you guys are going to be put to the test, too. So what's going to happen is um, I'm going to ask Arthur three trivia questions based on the film that we just reviewed. Arthur is going to get 25 points for each question that he answers correctly. 25, obviously, as a uh, tribute to this being the 25th um, and the 25th Bond film coming up. Um, and listeners, we want you guys to keep track of your scores as well. Um, be honest. Don't be out there cheating. Um, <laughs> be honest. Keep track of your scores. Uh, you can give yourself half points. Um, I may give Arthur some half half points if, uh, if I'm in a good mood. How detailed are these questions? You'll see. Um, but what we're going to do is that at the, after we finish the Spectre review, then we'll tally up um, Arthur's score and the listeners, you guys can tally up your score and we'll, you know, we'll kind of like rank um, what type of Bond fan you are based on your score. So get ready. Um, let me see. Arthur, are you ready? I guess I should ask if you're ready. Do you yeah, need a minute? On. Do you need to like, no, no. you know, I don't know, do some pushups or something? Um, all right. So first question, I, you know, I, I didn't, these aren't, these aren't, you know, you just saw the movie like a couple of days ago. Right. So these, you know, this ain't, this ain't that hard. Um, and matter of fact, if these are too easy, I'm going to hit you really hard with quantum massage. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So listeners, you guys get ready too. And like I said, uh, be honest, don't be out there pausing this episode, then going, looking at the movie and then coming back and writing down an answer. So first question, Arthur of the mad unreal casino Royale trivia, what is the password Bond finds on the bomb maker's phone and uses to get past Miami airport security. I'm going to say that again. One more time for the listeners. Mm -hmm. What is the password Bond finds on the bomb maker's phone and uses to get past Miami airport security? Ellipsis. Ellipsis. That's right. You didn't have to think about that. Very good. That was the easy one, though. They showed it like a million times. What? Because I just answered it. <laughs> no, they showed it. They showed it like three or four times in the um, in the thing. And how lucky for Bond was it that uh, he was able to find that? And also, this movie really—I noticed one thing. This movie really is has aged very well, except for the phones. Like it really, <laughs> yeah. like you really see this is pre two thousand and eight when you look at those. Like everything changed in two thousand and eight. Um, cause these phones, man, it's like, wow, these are some old ass phones, mm-hmm. um, but the movie aged very well than that. So listeners, if you got, um, ellipsis as your answer for that first one, give yourself 25 points. Okay. Arthur, next question in the question in Arthur segment, when the waiter at the casino Royale asks Bond, if he wants his vodka martini shaken or stirred. What is Bond's response? So I'm going to ask that one more time. When the waiter at the Casino Royale asks Bond if he wants his vodka martini shaken or stirred, what is Bond's response? Do I look like I give a damn? Mm. Spot on, bro. Verbatim. I was going to give you like half points if you, you know, kind of got it right. If you, but that was, that was verbatim. Do I look like I give a damn? Listeners, if you got anything close to that, I would give yourself maybe 12 and a half points. But if you got, do I look like I give a damn um, verbatim, then yeah, you got 25 points. Good job, Arthur. You two for two. 
I, yes, I am. Okay. Let me see. I got two options for this last question. Let me see which one I'm going to give you because you, you, you're a little too cocky right now. Um, you like Bond <laughs> in the movie. Um, let me see. Which one of these is harder? Okay. I'm going to do this one because if you, I don't think you're going to get this one. You might get this one. I don't think you're going to get it verbatim though. Okay. And I'm going to say it twice. I'm going I'm yep. to state the question twice. Final question in the Q and Arthur question and Arthur segment of Mad and Real Casino Royale. What does Mr. White tell the Chifre is more valuable to Mr. White's organization than money? Say it again. What does Mr. White tell the Chifre is more valuable to Mr. White's organization than money? To know whom to trust. Is that your final answer? Yes. <laughs> Say it again. It's more important to know whom to trust. Hmm. Now I have a decision to make. Should I was, give you 25 was points? Was he saying who or answer whom? Is, right. is that know, what we're... No, the correct answer is knowing who to trust. Ah. The full answer is he says, you know, it's more important. It's more valuable from our organization, uh, you know, to know who to trust. So knowing who to trust is the actual. You said to know who to trust. I'm right. a, You know what? Because this is the first, this is an inaugural. You I know, mean, that's a grammatically correct way to answer the question you asked. We're not talking about gra grammar. We're talking about <laughs> what's the proper answer to the question. This is trivia. This ain't grammar. But because, yo, because this is the inaugural uh, question in Arthur's segment, I am going to give you 25 points. So don't ever say I never did anything for you. Right. Listeners, because I'm being nice to Arthur, you be nice to yourself. If you got anything close to knowing who to trust, if you got to know who to trust or to know somebody you trust or something close to that, go ahead and give yourself 25 points. So Arthur, you got three out of three on this one. Um, let me, you know what, since this is okay, we're done, you know, guys, you can put down your pencil. That's, that's it for this, you know, this segment, but because uh, I wrote down an extra question as kind of like an option, I'm just going to throw it out there. Arthur, this is for no points. This is just, mm. you know, this is just for fun. I'm going to see if you get this one. If you if you don't get this, one, I'm going to be pissed because I should have asked you it for the third question. But bonus question. When do we first hear the James Bond theme in Casino Royale? I'm going to ask that again. When do we first hear the James Bond theme in Casino Royale? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? At the conclusion of the film, after he shoots, Mr. White introduces himself. Uh, you're showing off now. I'm done. I'm going to tell you right now. When we do quantum, I'm coming with it. I'm going. I'm going. Points, like, baby. I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm going it forward. Straight. I'm paying it forward. <laughs> I'm going straight, like deep bond, like you know, gritty in the in the cut details. Because I was trying to be a little surface here. Because I was like, okay, I don't want to hit you too hard, but nah. Right. Next time, I'm coming with it. Coming with it. Okay. So listen, um, seventy-five points, perfect score, man. Good job. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, that concludes uh, our um, inaugural review, uh, Mad Unreal 007 and Counting Film Review, Casino Royale. So what's what's next? What's next is Quantum of Solace Review. Uh, in the same manner, we'll follow the same five tent poles, and uh, you can come up with some questions that are actually hard. <laughs> See, listeners, remember that Arthur said that. So next episode, when he's like, how am I supposed to know that? Remember that you just said that, or they're they going to remind you. Uh, but I'll also be interested. You guys post your your scores on uh, Twitter. Hit us up in hashtag Mad Unreal and let us know 
how you scored. Um, and like I said, be honest about it, but let us know how you scored uh, with these three tri- trivia questions. All right. Uh, hashtag mad unreal. We will see you on Twitter. Uh, we will be back for our fourth installment of 007 and counting uh, the review to quantum of solace, the second Daniel Craig film. And, um, Oh, well, we are all over Apple Podcasts. Um, You can also leave us a review. We encourage you to leave us a review uh, if you'd be so kind. Uh, You can follow us on Spotify, and we are available uh, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Overcast, anywhere (laughs) that fine RSS feeds are consumed. All right, that's a full lid. I'll see you next week. Cool. Peace. Keep it unreal. (laughs) 